Hello, and welcome to Hope Church. We're a local church with chill style, real faith, and no perfect people allowed. Thanks for checking out our podcast. This is a message from our SoCal location in the Santa Cruz, California area. We hope this message is encouraging. If you live near either of our locations, we'd love to have you join us for one of our many Sunday services. Amen. Good morning. My name's Danny. Aren't you guys grateful for Pastor Savannah and the team up here? Good job, you guys. So good. Hey, a little shout out to our church online. We also have our patio venue right now streaming out there. What's up, you guys? Good to see you this morning out there joining us. Uh, we got lots of options online, indoors, outdoors, upstairs, downstairs. Just kidding. We, maybe we can come up with some more. Maybe, maybe we can dream up some more ideas. Why, why, not, why not have more options, right? More ways to reach more people right where we're at, right? And so, and right now, you, you, I, I'm excited to share this message with you guys. Maybe you guys have a friend that needs to hear this message. You can text them the link to our website, live.discoverhope.church, and they can tune in right now. It's kind of cool. We have that opportunity. No one's late for church, right? Even if you're driving in the car, listening to us online. Well, hey, I'm so excited to be with you guys. I wore one of my favorite Hawaii shirts here today. Am I looking a little tan? Am I looking a little more tan? That's because I just got back, I just flew back last night from visiting our family on the North Shore of Oahu, and I woke up at 3 a.m. Hawaii time, and no one feels bad for me right now. No, no empathy, no, no love, that's okay. We love you guys. Uh, yesterday or two days ago, it feels like a blur, two days ago, um, one of the things that my daughter really wanted to get in before we left the North Shore is she, every time we go, we have to jump off the rock at Waimea. You guys might know Waimea Bay from the famous Eddy surf competition, the big wave spot. In the summertime, it's like a dream swimming spot. It's just like a big giant pool, and it's crystal clear blue water, and there's a 20-foot rock that everybody lines up, you know, and, and there's, like, there's literally like a lion climbing up this thing. You get up there, and then when it's your turn, you better jump, or the locals will be like, yeah, I got you. They'll be yelling at you. And so, you know, uh, we had to do it. And it reminded me of a few years back, because it's been a while since we've been to Hawaii with COVID and everything. And I think it was like three years ago was Ruby's first time. She said, Dad, I want to jump off that rock. We drive by it. It's like right in the middle of the North Shore. They call it the Seven Mile Miracle. There's like world-class, most amazing, most famous surf spots right there between Haleiwa and Kuhuku or Turtle Bay, right? And so you have all these surf spots, and right in the middle is Waimea Bay. And so you drive kind of, uh, if you've ever been there, you know you're driving on the North Shore, and then you kind of hook around the bay. And every time we drive by, we see all these people lined up. And my daughter, Ruby, when she was little, I remember she'd be looking at that rock. I'm going to jump off that rock. And she wanted to jump off the rock. I remember the day that we went down there, and she's like, I'm going to jump off the rock. And we started climbing up, and she's like, I don't know. She was scared. And so we started on the little rock, because there's, mo- there's multiple rocks, right? So we started on the little rock, and I remember I was out there swimming. OK, it's OK. And she came jumping in. And then we went to the next one. And you know, here's this little girl. She gets up to the top, the top of this big rock, and we're up there. And I remember I would jump first. And it's like a little scary for me, you know, because it's like it's high enough to where you can actually think about what's happening while you're going down. You know what I'm talking about? Some some jumps, you're just kind of like, boom, you're in. This is like you jump in. Boosh! You, know, it's, you got a like, second in the air uh, where you, you're like, is this a dumb idea? Yes, it is. Boosh! And um, so I remember looking up there, and there's this line. I remember, you know, here she's, there's all these, like, you know, big brudas, like, from, you know, the Hawaiian Hawaiian guys up there. And there's 
all the locals are crowded up on top of the rock. And here's, my, of course, my daughter looks local because she, she just is three days in the sun and she just looks like a local girl. She's all, it turns brown. But um, she's up there. And I remember her just like that. There's that moment, you know, where she was like, I'm here now. I did the little one. I did the medium one. I did the medium large one. And now I'm on the 20 foot rock. And there's this line, and everyone's going, Yeah, go. Everyone's cheering her on. And I'm in the water, Yeah, Ruby. And you know, there's like that moment, point of no return, you know, where you just you take that step and then you jump out. And she jumped and she, oh man, I remember just giving her a big hug, like, Yeah, you did it. High fives and everything. And, um, and of course, now it's no big deal. She just runs and jumps off the rock, right? And um, she is, I'm, 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 I, already, I, I, I asked my kids permission if I'm going to tell a story. So I already asked for permission. But she is a visionary. She, ever since she was little, she would see something. I want to do that. And she's like that in a lot of different ways. Recently, with her ballet, we wanted her to have the experience of auditioning for schools. And so we're like, next year, you'll probably go away for the summer. So this year, let's practice auditioning. Which schools do you want to audition? So she went online. She did all the research of the best schools in the world. So she auditioned for the top four schools in the world. Why not, right? Some would say that's audacious or ambitious. That's Ruby. So she's like, I'm going I'm to audition for San Francisco, American Ballet Theater in, North, in, in uh, New York, Houston, and the Royal Ballet in London. So she sent, I'm, I'm there filming her, and she's posing. She's doing all these, I can't do the moves. I'm not going to, don't, you don't want to see me do the moves. Something like this, like that. Something like that, you know? I got the moves. Um, welcome. And, you know, so like we did this and we sent them in and, we're, and then it's just the waiting game, right? And you wouldn't believe it. She got accepted into not only San Francisco, New York, Houston, but we just found out two weeks ago that she got invited to come and dance with the Royal Ballet in London. Isn't that cool? So. I just, I'm sharing that because I think it's so cool that she, going through this last year and everything, has that ability to dream. And I, I just, that's something I feel like God wants to speak something to our church, that God doesn't want us to just have faith. He wants us to have audacious faith. Amen? It says in the Bible, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Right? There's this element to our faith, what we believe in as Jesus followers that there's, there's, there's this element to, like, believing in something that we haven't seen yet, right? We believe in heaven. Someday we're going to be with God. We haven't seen that yet. We believe. We believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We didn't see that physically. It's a very well-documented historical event. But yet, it's, there's this element of faith that we have, right? And, and so we want to have not just faith, but I believe that God wants us to have audacious faith. Let's open our Bibles. Will you guys go there with me to Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 33? Matthew 14. It's been a busy week for Jesus. His cousin, his friend, John the Baptist, was beheaded. So there's got to be some grief around that. Then he, his ministry is exploding at the same time. He's feeding the 5,000. You guys, have, if you haven't heard that story, you've got to read it. Go back and read it. It's so cool. Little boy brings him a lunch, and he feeds all these people that were gathering to hear the message. So Jesus is probably a little bit tired, and so this, that's where we find ourselves 
um, in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22, it says, Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed the crowd, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. How many of you guys know it's good to take some time to be alone? Even if you're a total extrovert like me, we got to take time to just slow down and, and be with God. Right? Ultimately, he, he doesn't want us just to know about him. He wants us to know him. Amen? Have that relationship. We just got a week away, and it was so, have you ever had like a, like when you have a vacation plan, you're like, I need this. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not beat up. I'm not burnt out. I just, we just need a rest. And not just, I think sometimes it's tempting to just rest by distracting ourselves. But it's another thing to, another thing to like really rest by reconnecting. Reconnecting with God, reconnecting with our family, reconnecting with ourselves and where we're at. And taking that time away alone with God. And so, so that's what Jesus, even, even though he's like God, he is God. Jesus is God, and yet he's walking amongst us, and he needs to take time to be with the Father. So how much more do we, right? He's like fully connected. How much more do we need to take that time? And remember, I hope that for you, I pray that for you, that this summer you wouldn't just get away and be distracted and be busy, more busy, but that you would have time to really, truly rest and, and take that time to reconnect. Um, and that's what Jesus is always kind of getting centered in his relationship with his Father, when evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because of the wind against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. Like, I, maybe you've read that before, but have you just thought about, like, how crazy that is, how cool that is? Like, I know the Hawaiians are responsible for surfing, but Jesus is kind of the OG here, you know what I'm saying? He's walking on the water, and it's not just like this smooth, calm, glassy water. Like, it's bumpy, and there's waves. It's kind of stormy, so much that the boat's getting pushed out. And so Jesus walks out there, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. That's a strong word. They weren't just afraid. They were terrified, full-grown men, terrified, shaking in the boat. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. So that right there, for me, might be enough, right? I'm a disciple, I'm hanging out with Jesus, I'm seeing him do miracles, feed the 5,000, all this stuff's going down. I'm in the boat, we're already kind of afraid already because we're getting tossed around by the wind. And all of a sudden, we're not sure if it's a ghost or is it Jesus, <laughs> And he walks out on the lake. He, he's walking on the water. Like, how many here, that'd be enough? Like, just this, who would love to see that? Like, actually be in the boat and watch Jesus walk on the water. That'd be, that'd be wow. That'd be, like, just an amazing moment. But for Peter, that's not enough. He has the audacity to ask this question or to say this. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Who even thinks of that? Like, seriously, have you ever thought about that? Like how kind of like crazy that is? 
like, Jesus is God. He's walking on water. That's enough for me. I'm cool. Like, that's amazing. But Peter goes to the next level. With audacious faith, he says, if it's you, ask me to come. And Jesus said, verse 29, come. He said, then Peter got down out of the boat. I wonder if he really thought through what he was going to do with that. You know, like if Jesus said, come, am I really going to do this? And now he's like actually thinking about this. The boat's shaky. It's dark. There might be big fish swimming around. I don't know what else is happening. The wind's blowing. And Peter is having this moment where he's like actually putting his foot out of the boat. What was that like? What was that like? Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And, began, uh, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith. Really? He said, why did you doubt? And when, he climbed, and when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who, were with, uh, those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. What an amazing moment to witness, to be there, to see, and, and, and to see the disciples actually acknowledge, you are the Son of God. Just a good teacher, they're saying. Because they're, they're realizing, okay, you know, this is like, I think a lot of people have different opinions about Jesus. Who is Jesus? He's this cool hippie surfer Jesus. He's like, you know, what does he look like? What does he, what does he talk like? What does he act like? You know, and we have a lot of different opinions about that. And I think the disciples did too, right? And in that moment, they realized he's not just a good teacher. There's something more. There's an authority there, right? And we know having the theology, understanding, like Jesus saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, right? There's all this theology that we know now, but they're just discovering this for the first time which is kind of cool. And they get to witness Jesus walk on the water. But the real, and, and I think we can be critical, and we, we always tell the story about Peter, you know, he, he saw the wind and the waves, and he doubted, you know, and then he started sinking in the water. But still, even though he sunk in the water, he actually walked on the water with Jesus. Not just for a moment. But for a moment, and then Jesus pulls them back up, and they, I guess I imagine them just walking back into the boat. No big deal, right? Have you thought about that? That is audacious. That is some, the next level of faith right there that encourages me when I think about, sometimes I think it's easy for us to look and see other people and see God do something, but then when it comes down to it in the moment, what are we going to do with our faith? What are we going to do to step out of the boat? I think for a lot of people, like the wind and the waves that distracted Peter, the last 18 months for a lot of people has kind of quenched that ability to dream. For some people, there's been disappointment and disillusionment, maybe just frustration. And we lose that ability to have faith that God can do more. And what I want to encourage us today as a church is that I believe that we need to have, we need to have vision. We need, to have, we need to think outside the boat, if you will. And I believe that God wants to challenge us today. Proverbs 29, 18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. And the word perish there 
It's the Hebrew word. I'm going to get Bible nerdy on you guys for a second. But it's the Hebrew word used in a biblical proverb. Um, it's the word para. And it means that it's, it's used in a biblical proverb where a woman's hair uh, was, inst- there was like a hairband, and the, the hairband was taken off, and it just, imagine the wind in the back of a convertible, right? It's just blowing wild, going wild, going, going, going nuts. It's like uh, another translation says to cast off restraint, right? Or another, another one says they run wild. When there's no vision, like, we're all over the map. And I believe that God wants us to have vision for our lives bigger than ours. That was my story. Some of you guys have heard my story a few times, right, that I didn't have any vision for my life. I was the surfer skater kid. I was going down the wrong path. My vision for my life was, I mean, I literally, like, told people, dude, they could be like, what are you, you going to do? Are you going to go to college? What are you going to do when you grow up? Dude, I'm going to get a couch. I'm going to cut the back legs off the couch to make it a lowrider couch. Me and my friend had the connection with Frito-Lay potato chips. We had an endless supply of food. We, we'd go and d- dive in their dumpster and get the expired chips. It was awesome. We also, uh, at one point, this is terrible. You guys, I've just, you guys haven't heard this story, I don't think. At the same time, we had this connection where one of the places that I, I worked at Jamba Juice, and right out front of Jamba Juice, they had one of those wishing wells, you know, where little kids, like, cash their wishes. And at night, after we got off work, we used to go through there, and we would get the, the bagel trays from the place next door, and we would just clean out. we clean house. And we get all kinds of like quarters. Like it was a kind of a rich neighborhood. And so we get quarters. People would be throwing. We're stealing the kids' wishes and putting them in our baskets. And, and we go to the coin star and dump them in there. They're like all wet going through the coin star. You guys remember coin star? They had a machine. You could just dump all your chains and they would come out with a ticket and you can go get cash. And then we go on a surf trip. That's how we funded our surf adventures. Isn't that terrible? Like that's how low my vision was. You know what I'm saying? And God had a bigger vision for my life. Aren't you grateful for that, that God has a bigger vision for your life than you have? Right? I was driving by, you know, just being on the North Shore. I, there's, it's kind of a home away from home for us, and it's an amazing place, waves and the wind and the, the water and, and the people. You know, you can see these guys who, like, you can tell, like, literally all they do is surf. You know, I'm driving by, the, you, you just, you know, they got the look. You know, they're like super tan, like more tan than a person should be, you know what I mean? And they just have been wearing the same board shorts for like six years, you know what I mean? And just like old crusty slippers, and they just been surfing every day, bro, you know the kind, just, just out there. And, um, you know, and I'm like, oh man, I could, that could, I could totally go there. That could be my life, you know what I mean? Just be the crustiest guy around. But then God reminds me of my purpose, you know? I'm, I'm not just here to surf. I'm here to serve. I love surfing, but God has a purpose on my life, and I'm so grateful. And I, I think we all need to have that. We need to, we need to have the ability to dream. Let I me mean, just three things real quick. We need to dream because, one, when we have the ability to dream, it ignites hope. I think about Abram, and God had this promise, I'm going to bless you, and you're going to have children and be a great nation, right? It ignites hope. When we can dream, it fuels our purpose. Thinking about Nehemiah, building the wall. Um, you know, there's, there's this broken down city, right? And God's given him this vision. It gives him a purpose. Um, and thirdly, it gives us direction when we have a dream, we have vision for our life. Um, instead of just para, where we're just all over the map, casting off restraint, going wild, um, we have vision from God. It gives us 
hope, purpose, and direction. And it's not just enough to have a dream. You might be like, oh, cool, I, I, let's, have, let's all have a big dream for our life. Like, that's great, but I think it's more than that, right? When it comes to, like, Peter wasn't just like, his dream wasn't just to walk on water. Why was he doing that? Jesus is out there, I want to be with Jesus, right? His vision was to be closer to Jesus, was to do what Jesus is doing. I believe that that's, that's God's heart, that we would be his heart and hands, that we would live out what Jesus is doing in the world, right? And so not only do we want to have just this dream, but I believe that we need to have a God-centered dream. I got two points for you today. Number one is we need to have a God-centered dream. When I read that scripture earlier, without vision, the people perish, para. Well, the first word there, vision, it doesn't just mean like, oh, I have a dream to like live a comfortable life so my life is better, right? I know there's a lot of like positive thinking out there where hey, if, you just, if you just believe it and you just see it, you'll have success and make millions, you know? And I don't, that's not what I'm talking about here. I, I mean, I, I believe that God has given different people gifts and abilities and there's nothing wrong with that. That's important that we, we all can serve the kingdom in different ways, right? So there's no guilt around having success in business or finances. That's not what I'm saying. But I don't believe that God just wants us to have a dream that's about us, right? Number one, we need a God-centered dream. The word vision there, the Hebrew is kazon, and it means, um, it means a God-centered revelation, right? That God would reveal something to you that is centered in his will, that's a vision and a purpose for your life, right? We know that everyone's read the Jeremiah 29, 11, and one of my favorite passages, I love to teach on this, right? Jeremiah 29, 11, uh, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. That'll preach, amen? That's a good, that's a good, uh, just one-liner. But how many of you guys know, like, you, you, you can't just read a Bible verse, right? You got to read this, the whole story, what's happening. And the whole story in this promise isn't just, I'm going to give you purpose to, like, you know, have hope in a future, but like the people of Israel are in captivity, in exile, in Babylon, and God's saying, you're going to be there for 70 more years. It's cool. Wait, wait, what? That's the context. You're going to be there for 70 more years, and I want you to like grow gardens. I want you to have children, and I want you to seek the peace, the shalom of the city, right? I'm placing you here in exile. How many of you guys know the earth is not our home, right? We're all in exile. Our heaven is our home. And we're here in exile for 30, 40, 50, 70 more years, however long it is. And we're called to be here to live out the purposes of God. And within that, there's this promise to have purpose. Amen? There's a bigger picture that's God-centered, not just centered around my life being better. Right? And that's what Jesus came to seek, was the peace of the city. Right, He came and he, uh, his mission statement was, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, right? to preach good news to the poor, to freedom for the prisoners, sight for the blind eyes, favor of God is coming. Right? And it's this, this idea that like, we're going to, and he came in exile. Right? He came into a broken world to bring wholeness, to bring peace, and to bring good news. Amen? That's the good news of Jesus Christ. So not only do we need a God-centered dream, but today I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you to have a God-sized dream. Is your dream for your life and for our church and for the community of faith in Santa Cruz County, is your dream God-centered and is it God-sized? What does it mean to have a God-sized 
dream. Thinking about the guys who carried their friend who was paralyzed. Remember this story? These, guys, these four guys or women, we don't know, they're just his friends, um, and they carried this person knowing that if we can just get them close to Jesus, and there was such a big crowd they couldn't get in, so they carried him up on the roof, they cut a hole in some poor guy's roof, they lowered him down. Right? That's audacious faith right there. They had a God-centered dream, but they had a God-sized dream. They brought him to the feet of Jesus because they knew that if they can get him to Jesus, he would make a difference. Right? We sing that song, or we're going to sing a song in just a moment here about how when God speaks, miracles happen. Right? Every time, maybe not when I open my mouth, but every time God opens his mouth, he speaks, miracles happen. He spoke the world into existence. Right? He, spoke, he speaks purpose into our lives. And that same God promises us this in Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. Have you thought about that? What can, you, uh, what can you ask God? What can you imagine God could do? He is able to do more. According to his power at work within us. And just to drive this point home, I got the uh, Hawaiian pigeon translation for you guys. Because I was in Hawaii, so I got to do this. Is that cool? Can I read this to you guys? I, lo- I love this. If you ever need to like get a friend, perspective on a Bible verse. Look it up on the Hawaiian pigeon. Ready? God, he get plenty power. Whatever we go ask him to do, or whatever we figure he can do, he can do more plenty than that. That's the kind of power he get for change just guys inside. Okay, that's my, I'm sure somebody's from Hawaii out there, man. This guy's a howly brag. How do you go home? Just talking smack, but here I am, a few weeks ago, I've been, you know, calling Joe Gruber. He was here with us, and you guys, you guys helped plant a church in Portland in the pandemic. How awesome is that? Talk about audacious faith. We raised over $200,000 to help plant a church in Portland in a pandemic, and they launched with over 200 people. People are getting saved every week in Portland, Oregon. That's audacious of you. You did that. Isn't that cool? And I'm up there going there to encourage them because we've been supporting them and I've been calling Joe every week to encourage him and everything. And I go up there and I get to speak in front of this amazing new group of people that are newly formed. I'm like on the fourth Sunday, right? And I'm thinking, you know, like a few years in, I've been 10 years in here with you guys. Like I could probably say something pretty dumb and you guys would probably forgive me for it, right? But like with this group, like I could really screw things up for Joe. You know what I mean? This could be really bad. And I'm up there, and I'm looking out at the people, and I just tears started coming to my eyes, you know, and I'm, I'm sharing this message on, on like, that God's called us to have audacious faith. And as I'm speaking, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking out at what God's done there, I'm realizing in my own heart, asking God to forgive me for dreaming too small. Because he's able to do more than we can ask or imagine. We've been asking, we've been praying, we've been imagining, God, what could you do in Portland? And it's happening. And I realized that, like, with everything going on and the stress of every week, what are we doing? What are we doing for church? Are we inside? Are we outside? Are we wearing the mask? What are we, who's fighting over the mask? Who's fighting over the vaccine? Who's fighting over politics? How can I be a pastor and just love people, bring people together? On the it's been stressful, you guys. And, I, like, in that, it's like, you know, which is, I just want to move the kingdom forward. I want to kick the ball down the road and share, the, share Christ 
people. That's the greater cause, amen? That's the cause that we have in Christ. It's way bigger than a piece of cloth. Come on. Come on. Can't, can't you wait till like two days and we, I don't know, is it, are we, do, do we get to like, can we have like a graduation ceremony, like, or we just throw them off? I don't know. Okay, I'm, I got to stay on track. Stay on track. Come back with me. I'm up there and I'm sharing with this group and I just feel like, like God is releasing me to dream again. And I wanted to bring that message to you because I feel like with what we've been through, it's easy to lose that ability to dream. It's easy to, you know, or and maybe not even lose that ability, but kind of downsize the dream. Like, well, maybe not that. You know, maybe I won't go for the Royal Ballet. Maybe I'll go for, like, San Jose Ballet. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, we can downsize our dream. But God wants us to have an audacious dream of what, like, if you could do anything for God and you had $20 million, what would you do? That kind of dream. And I can honestly tell you that that's what I'm doing right now. But my challenge to you is it's, just, it's not just me. I believe that God wants to release dreams within the church. He wants to release us to have faith to dream again, to believe that God is moving, that he can use us, ordinary people, to do crazy, amazing things. I remember writing down the vision and the plan for Hope Church and sitting in my living room with 22 people, reading this vision of we believe that we can transform Santa Cruz County and the greater Bay Area by planting churches. I'd never even planted one. Scared to death, shaking, thinking these people are going to think I'm a fake because I've never done this. And selling everything, moving here, making $12 an hour at the coffee shop, and it was just after the big economic crisis, and people were a little nervous and scared. So the churches that wanted to support us said, sorry, dude, we can't. And we started with nothing, you guys. And God made a way. Like, do you know how miraculous that is? We shouldn't even be here. And I just, I don't want to lose that. I don't want to get into cruise mode, comfort zone. I don't believe God has called his church to be comfortable. I believe God's called his church to be full of faith and taking risks and dreaming again. Dream big, number one. God can handle it. Amy Simple McPherson, my heroes, she planted a church in the 1920s when women weren't supposed to be pastors. They just got the right to vote. My grandmother just lost her husband, and she was raising two boys in Echo Park, California. And she got invited by a friend to come to Amy Simple McPherson's church, and she gave her heart to Jesus. And this woman was not afraid to dream. She brought theater into the, into the, the services. She started reaching the whole Los Angeles County. She started feeding people. They had a food ministry. They're healing people. They said that women couldn't preach on the radio, so she bought a radio station. <laughs> She's kind of punk rock. They thought, she thought, well, we need to plant churches around the world, so we need to start a Bible college. So she started a Bible college, started planting churches around the world, and one of which is us. Because a woman in the 20s had an audacious dream. Let's dream big. 
because big dreams have big ripples. Amen? We hope this message encouraged you to take the next steps in your relationship with God. The cool thing is that you don't have to do it alone. There are a lot of ways you can get connected here at Hope. Not only do we want you to feel at home at Hope, we'd love to help you find a home. Please check out discoverhope.church and click connect or just email us at info at discoverhope.church. Lastly, we give everything we can away for free and rely 100% on volunteers and donations to support this ministry. If you'd like to give to the Mission of Hope Church, you can select the Give option on our website or text any amount to 831-800-2060. Thanks again for tuning in.